0: 97. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast, my name is Keith And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see our self Alright, so, um We have been doing heavy sledding (laughs) in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is uh, one of the richest, uh, most uh, deepest, uh, densest texts in the New Testament. Uh, He uses a ton of the Old Testament and he is explaining his head off, uh, trying to get these early Christians not to turn away from Christ. So chapter nine picks up right where he left off in eight, speaking of the Old Covenant. So he starts out talking about the actual tabernacle in the Old Testament. So remember, the Israelites left Egypt and they built the tabernacle, right? So God could dwell in the midst of his people. You can read this in Exodus 25 through 40. But he goes in on this particular day that came out of the Torah, the Day of Atonement, right? And what's interesting is that the Day of Atonement was this day was at the was that that was at the center of the Israelite calendar, was at the center of the Torah and the center of Israelite religion. So he says this, but the high priest alone enters the second room, and he does that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins, uh, for the sins of the people, uh, the for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. Every single year, in other words, the high priest, right, who was from the line of Aaron, went into the holy of holies, which separate which which represented the the, the heavenly places on earth to sacrifice on the day of atonement, right? So this one day in Israel's calendar, right? In the presence of of God himself providing a sacrifice for sins on behalf of the people and for his own sins. Right. And he goes on to say that the gifts and sacrifices made could not perfect the worshippers conscience. Verse 14. How much more? In contrast, with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works so that we can serve the living God. He says, listen, the continual work of the priest and the high priest reminded the worshippers of sin year after year. He says the blood of Jesus, though, um, here, that was splattered, ultimately cleanses us and cleanses our consciences before God. And I think that's interesting because um, how often do we view that as an aspect of Jesus's work on our behalf? Right. That God has miraculously cleansed our consciences before him so that we can come to him without guilt or shame and so that we can serve him free forever without guilt. shame he says the whole point of the tabernacle was so that god's people could dwell with him in communion right however what the text is trying to say is that this wasn't fully realized then but only now and he goes on to talk about that this all was inaugurated through blood right and the new covenant it's funny because the new covenant was inaugurated with blood just like the old covenant now if you remember exodus chapter 24 where they inaugurate this covenant they are officially under uh the, in this relationship with god right moses actually takes blood and in an ancient uh israelite ritual he takes blood and splatters it on the people why because a death had to take place to show that if you break this covenant this is what will happen to you right and and and, and the blood represents life and so it's interesting that when Jesus comes, uh, the New Testament writers are obsessed with his blood, <laughs> and they're not just uh, being sadistic or weird or gory, but they're but they're trying to show you that no, no, in line with the Old Testament, Jesus gave his actual life. These cats actually broke the Old Testament law, and Jesus comes and pays for their sins and ours, right? And and these things have been fulfilled, and so he's just trying to help them see what everything in the Old Testament was actually pointing to. And the realization is here. Hebrews 10. He continues with the idea that Christ is the perfect and final sacrifice. So notice how all throughout the book, he has tied together and threaded the themes of of the priest and the actual sacrifice itself. And and, and those distinct entities, they were different entities. So the the sacrifice and the priest were different in the Old Testament, but here they find their end in one person and even in this chapter we see the author quote the psalms and say that yahweh desires obedience and not sacrifice and because of christ's perfect sacrifice to the father he's qualified to be the perfect sacrifice for sins right so you see the obedience and sacrifice actually coming together even in the person work of christ as well he is the one uh the text will say through whom we are perfected and in some senses changed even now so therefore in light of it all of this stuff he says about jesus in light of that you know what he says Verse 23, let us hold on to the confession. <laughs> like, let us still just hold on. Just just hold on to Jesus, fam. Like, that, that's all he's saying, Do If you just think about the Christian life, just stay with Jesus. Like, wherever he go, you go. Stay with him. Don't go nowhere else. You feel me? He says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope. It's, it's so, it's simple, but it's not easy, as, as my man John always would say. It's simple, but it's not easy um let us let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promises faithful and let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works hear this i love verse 25 i love verse 25 not neglecting (laughs) not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing he know what cats be on. cats be trying to get that zoom church but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching after all that exhortation exposition he's just like fam go to church <laughs> like don't don't forsake gathering together you know why because it is an opportunity to encourage one another remember he says encourage one another in uh hebrews chapter three so that we will not be uh, uh hard in sins deceitfulness right he says this is an opportunity to encourage one another for love and good works right for love and good works so you see the the exhortation here is very very simple uh, and it's non-glamorous too. That's the interesting thing. He's not saying go save the world and and go down a cross like Jesus did. No, no. no, no. I mean, you do have to take up a cross in a sense, right? Christ will say that. But he's saying like, man, it's so ordinary, all right. But it does something extraordinary, right? Hebrews eleven. We have with this uh, what many people call uh, the Hall of Faith, um, which is interesting because all these people weren't really uh, all that great in the Old Testament. Um, but I think the point is that they believed in a great God, right? They that that god's people are ultimately believing people they're those that hold on to the promises as he's exhorted them to do he shows them how many have done it long before them right they are those that hold on to the promises he has given us by faith even though we can't see them with our own eyes right from noah to abraham to moses he speaks of the way in which god's people have always believed in what god has said merely over what they saw many of us may be tempted to turn from christ because it seems like god's promises aren't real right like It seems to contradict the things we know and see with our own perceptual experience. And he says, no, no, no." like, you got to understand what faith is. Faith is a type of seeing, regardless of what you actually see. He says, verse 13, he says, these all died in faith. He defines faith in chapter one. I mean, in verse one, but in in, uh, verse 13, he says, these all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised, but they saw them. Notice how he says that faith is a type of seeing, but they saw them from a distance greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth listen all throughout the chapter as well we'll get he will get at um not just that idea but also other things that 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 one god is the god of creation and god of redemption and that God is ultimately the God of resurrection, right? And that Abraham believed that he could get Isaac back from the dead, right? Sarah and Abraham's bodies were as good as dead. And 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 now their seed uh, is life, right? It's life as numerous as the sands of the seashore came from them. You see God bringing death, I mean, from life from this place and abode of death. But also, I love it. Also, remember, I talked about how Joshua couldn't give us rest, right? He was... Uh, david after talking about after joshua he was he was talking about this rest that god would give us in the last days at the end of time and uh you see here that they weren't looking for a promised land uh or merely just a promised land just Canaan, or an earthly place he says they were going for moving toward the end time city the new jerusalem where god's dwelling place would be with man in a real earthly existence when we will know and will have fellowship with him forever and i love verse 39 he says all these were approved through their faith but they did not receive what was promised Hmm. since god had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us (sighs) abraham sarah noah adam everybody uh they're all still awaiting the resurrection of their bodies and the resurrection and the remaking and renewal of this very earth Um, And it is something about realizing that someone or that uh, someones, right, have been and have traversed the same path as you that make this journey, this difficult journey of, of the Christian walk seem that much more worth it, worth it, worth it, worth it. And he's trying to show us that it's worth it, that it's worth it, fam. And I love what he does in Hebrews 12 because he's like, He opens up with this race language and he says, no, like, therefore, like since we have this great cloud of witnesses, let us run this race with endurance. Notice the athletic uh, metaphors. And many scholars have pointed out that um, at the end of the day, what he's doing is he's he's setting the scene of like, again, the the ancient Greco-Roman kind of games and how people would cheer people on from the sideline as they perform their race. And if you just imagine your Christian walk like that, Like, man, there are so many people, the saints of old, man, cheering you on from the gates of heaven, right? And this should inspire. I I remember, yeah, just playing sports, bro, like coming up and knowing that there were so many people in my corner, fam, like really cheer me on to do my absolute best, help me go harder. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same kind of like principle here, right? And even more than that, though, like he's like, no, no, like Christ is the one who uh is the ultimate example right so it's not just them it's, it's actually jesus who who traversed the same path as you and the one who provides the fuel for the actual race and this is why he says no he is the source That's so good i love that language That's, that 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 fuel kind of language he says he's the source and perfecter of our faith and the one whom our eyes must stay upon. Notice, he's like, man, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Remember uh, Hebrews 2. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Give him all your attention, your affections, and your life. He says he endured on the cross for the joy that was set before him. And he goes on to say that um, the suffering that we experience, right, the persecutions, the doubts, the afflictions that we experience in this life, man, should be considered as discipline. Some translations go with education. I actually like education better because it's this Greek word, padea, which is um, a very interesting word. It talks about this full orb education to form you into uh, a whole person. And God uh, uses this, uh, padea, right, for his children, just as a father uh, educates a son he loves, right? And he does this through suffering, fam. Like, there's no way around suffering. Just sidebar. Sorry to, sorry to break the news, right? But the purpose of it, though, the purpose of it, It's so that we could share in his holiness so that we could be people who are much more beautiful, right? And, um, you know, it's the same way like that Jesus uh, became perfect through suffering. It's the same thing for us. He ends with a final concluding exhortation. He says, says, uh, let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality for by doing this. Some have welcomed angels and guests without knowing it. Remember those in prison as though you were in prison with them and the mistreated as though you yourselves were, were suffering bodily. Marriage is to be honored by all and the marriage bed kept undefiled because God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money. I love this. Be satisfied with what you have. Hear this. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Um, you know all of the expectations kind of fall under the umbrella of letting uh, brotherly love continue, especially the one another's. Um, But I love the last one too, because it's just like a, no, no, no. Like the love of money comes when you're not satisfied with God ultimately, right? Like when you really want money to meet a need that it can't, uh, you are implicitly saying that God is doing what he can, isn't doing what can right he isn't satisfying the deepest needs and and in this gaping hole in our hearts and he finishes let us then go to him outside the camp talking about jesus bearing his disgrace for we do not have an enduring city here instead we seek the one to come therefore through him let us continually offer up to god a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that confess his name we as a community are pilgrimaging toward the heavenly city and in the meantime unlike israel we don't offer physical sacrifices we offer spiritual ones it's like yo do the people of god offer sacrifices absolutely right ones of praise and thanksgiving for the salvation purchased and provided for us in christ in which we become which we will become like christ right glorified sons and daughters of god worshiping forever in the heavenly city god has provided for us I think our goal today should be one of looking towards and longing for this place. Let's pray. God, we ask that you'll help us long towards the heavenly city. We thank you for the many examples who have gone before us, namely Christ, who is the source and perfecter of our faith. If nothing else, God, if we remember nothing else, I pray that we will remember to keep our eyes on Jesus.